You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. What is a lock in sports betting? A lock is simply put a bet you can't lose. You know that. And with my bookie, you cannot lose on their NBA lock of the season. Put a bet on either team to score between the Mavericks and the Nuggets. And when the first bucket hits, boom, you win. Let me put it like this. An NBA game has never gone scoreless, so you're going to win. This is a lock. It doesn't get any easier than that. My bookie wants you to get a taste of winning because it tastes so good. With superstars like Jokic, Doncic going head-to-head Friday night of this week, it will not take more than a minute of game time before your bet, cha-ching, cashes in. And that's not all. You get paid Friday, wake up Saturday, and then you throw down on UFC 267. Saturday night, my bookie is giving all users a $100 risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship main event fight. So don't wait. Head to mybookie.com now and use my promo code ZABE. That's promo code ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and my bookie will instantly double your first deposit. That's promo code ZABE. You can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Today on the ZABEcast, when people sometimes ask me, is Dan Snyder really that bad? I always respond with, well, how much time do you have? Andy Poland joins me better late than ever this week with a Wolfskins rap plus some Snyder 101. Mike Tomlin to USC plus James Franklin needs a pocket schedule. All that plus Alec Baldwin should probably reread Orwell's 1984. Your 45-minute daily dose of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. Thank you for downloading, sadly, last night's Game 1 of the World Series of Baseball. Finished too late for today's edition of the ZabeCast. Please check your local newspapers for the scores and details. By the way, people have been saying, hey, shouldn't Major League Baseball move the World Series out of Atlanta, out of Georgia because of the voting laws? And you're not wrong, but you know damn well that them moving the Major League Baseball game out of there, the excuse me, the All-Star game out of Georgia was nothing but a knee-jerk, panicked, corporation pushed, oh my God, we got to do something type of stunt. They're not going to really do it because baseball doesn't really oppose the lawfully enacted election laws of the state of Georgia. And so they're not going to go out of their way to do that. They were just placating sponsors and sponsors were just freaked out because of people making noise online. And that's the world we live in. But yes, you're not wrong, people. Where's baseball's stance now when it comes to Georgia and their duly elected voting identification laws? And the answer is, it's where it's always been. They don't really give a shit. They just didn't want the corporate sponsor headache. Before I get to Andy Poland, Alec Baldwin is obviously in the news a lot. And now people are finding things from his social media from maybe a few days ago, a week ago, however long ago. And this one came up. It was interesting. He talks about vaccines, and you'd be shocked to realize that Alec Baldwin is a huge proponent of people getting vaccinated. They must. I think he should reread George Orwell's 1984, because my God, it's almost like the pages are leaping out into real life, page by page, by thing by thing. It's uncanny how close Orwell's prediction is coming true right now. You know me, I don't read much, but the book that did stick with me 
back in the day was this book, George Orwell's 1984, because it was so good, so compelling, and it was like, wow, imagine a world. In fact, I think I read 1984 right around 1984, the actual 1984, because I was in high school. Well, here we are. Orwell only missed it by about 37 years, but it's happening right in front of us, but in peculiar ways in terms of the usual alliances. You would think that liberals, classic liberals at least, would be abhorrent, would be horrified at the infringement upon people's individual liberties with what's going on with vaccine mandates and travel restrictions and lockdowns and everything else. You would think, right? And you would think Alec Baldwin, a rabid leftist murderer, former star of 30 Rock and the movie Malice, he was excellent in that. Oh, and inventor of sweaty balls. You would think that Alec Baldwin would be very much on the side of, hey, this is all bullshit, man. What are we doing here? Not so much. Here he was musing about vaccines and people doing their part in this so-called war, he says, on the virus. Two things. One is that, uh, again, about the vaccine, I have my podcast on now with Anthony Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and gave... Uh, uh, I wanted to invite him on and I was anxious. He doesn't need any opportunity to speak. He has the microphone and the camera at his disposal 24-7. By the way, Baldwin's eyes look damn near shut as if he was stung by a hive of bees. He looks old and like shit. But I wanted to sit with him and just ask my version of... uh, the questions of you know where we are and where we're headed. Um, rubbing his eyes, rubbing his face. <laughs> Some of the commenters are like, I can smell this TikTok but, uh, video. You know, when we had a war, it reeks of bourbon. And in my opinion, this is most certainly a war against this vaccine. This is a war. Vaccine. He meant a when war a against war this virus. In this country. Um, uh, you know, World War II was the ultimate example. And the sacrifices that people made, people were asked to sacrifice to fight the war. You know, the simple things, sugar, rubber, you know, you, you name it. There was rationing, there was, a, there was an effort. The American people were asked to chip in on an effort to win the war. Uh, and the same is true here. People are being asked to to make sacrifices in order to prevail at a time of war. We are at war with the virus and its variants that uh, keep uh, producing. And we must make the necessary sacrifices to win that war. Um, The, um, um, the, uh, uh, hello? The, um, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, um, if you haven't been vaccinated, um, I'll meet you. Okay. <laughs> Hard to believe that guy shot somebody dead in an onset mishap, huh? Wow. Can you not have a more backward ass? Should be smarter than this, but he's not. Misunderstanding of what's really going on. A war against a virus. A war we must win. Sacrifice. What are we being asked to sacrifice? Our ability to travel. Our ability to not wear a mask. Our ability to say, no, I don't want that vaccine. Sacrifice. Limitation of freedoms. It's all right out of 1984. The line that comes to mind is, Oceania was always at war with East Asia. Except for when it was at war with Eurasia. And it would flip all the time. And then they would rewrite history and say, oh, no, no, actually now we're at war with so-and-so. There was a book called The Theory and Practice of Oligarchical collectivism by Emmanuel Goldstein that explains that each state in the book is so strong that it cannot be defeated even with the combined forces of two 
super states despite the changing alliances. To hide such contradictions, the super states' governments rewrite history to explain that the new alliance always was so. The populaces already were accustomed to doublethink and they were trained to accept it. Yes, yeah, see, we never said the vaccine would stop you from getting it. No. We said it would just help you not die from it. I don't know where you got that. And technology companies and big tech goes about trying to rewrite the past and cover for the regime. Right out of 1984. Goldstein book explains that the purpose of an unwinnable perpetual war is to consume human labor and commodities so that the economy of a superstate cannot support economic equality with a high standard of life for every citizen. By using up most of the produced goods, the priors, the proles, meaning the underclass, are kept poor and uneducated. And the party hopes that they will neither realize what the government is doing nor rebel against it. I don't know why that isn't as clear as day to everybody, but it's apparently not. And that's the world we're living in right now. Good luck, Alec Baldwin, with our war on this 99.8% survivable virus. This perpetual war. The West was always at war with COVID-19. Except when it wasn't. And it was at war with something else, like Delta variant. But we're always at war, and we must make sacrifices. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. What is a lock in sports betting? A lock is simply put a bet you can't lose. You know that. And with my bookie, you cannot lose on their NBA lock of the season. Put a bet on either team to score between the Mavericks and the Nuggets. And when the first bucket hits, boom, you win. Let me put it like this. An NBA game has never gone scoreless, so you're going to win. This is a lock. It doesn't get any easier than that. My bookie wants you to get a taste of winning. Because it tastes so good. With superstars like Jokic, Doncic going head-to-head Friday night of this week, it will not take more than a minute of game time before your bet, cha-ching, cashes in. And that's not all. You get paid Friday, wake up Saturday, and then you throw down on UFC 267. Saturday night, my bookie is giving all users a $100 risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship main event fight. So don't wait. Head to mybookie.com now and use my promo code ZABE. That's promo code ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and mybookie will instantly double your first deposit. That's promo code ZABE. You can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. Alright, let's get to my man Andy Polin. Hello. Andy, it's been said that people miss our Redskins slash Woofed Skins banter. Mm. That maybe Sunday mornings with Andy is not optimal. I'm tending to think I agree with them. Could you tolerate another change in your schedule with me? Well, I go by your schedule. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> You're I'm flexible. Yeah, I'm in the pen. The phone rings. You know, get Bobby up, and I start, you know, stretching it out. So, <laughs> all right, good, good. Well, we'll have to do that. You know, uh, there's an email that I'm going to read after we're done uh, that goes into detail on it. But I said to this uh, emailer, I said, you know, I don't find 
the plight of this team right now particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is that I listen to those who are still tasked with dissecting every bit of minutia like you and I did for damn near 20 years. Yeah. I find that their frenetic tone is out of phase with what my <laughs> expectations are. I don't yeah. know I don't know what you think about that Andy, but what you know, where do you stand on this team? They are pretty much what I thought they might be. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we thought going into the season that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be the quarterback. You got him for less than a half. So, you know, so much of the NFL and I think this this has really changed to a great degree about how the game is played in the NFL. The quarterback means so much, and it was never more of a stark contrast than what we had last Sunday, where you had a Hall of Fame guy who could fit it in a tight window versus this nice kid who likes to run around and make plays. And right. so it, it's kind of hard to judge a season where you got a guy who was out of the league 10 months ago. You know? Yeah, no, that's true. And it was also on stark display Monday night when we saw Geno Smith – and the crab leg kid, Jameis Winston, run around and do poor impressions of the two guys who used to carry both teams for a decade or more, Russell Wilson right. and uh, Drew Brees. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and really, you know, the glory days of the Washington football team were with three quarterbacks who won't be in the Hall of Fame. That's the ironic part. Uh, the, the, well, they had two quarterbacks who were in the Hall of Fame. Sammy Ball won championships. Sonny Jurgensen didn't win Bupkis when he was the quarterback. The, he was good, but the team was bad. And the ironic thing about now where you have to have that franchise quarterback to be great is when Washington was winning Super Bowls, it wasn't necessarily because of the quarterback. The quarterback was good, right. but he wasn't Hall of Fame good. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was saying, that as recently as, say, the early 2000s, a Jake DeLome or a yeah. Rich Gannon, or a Brad Johnson, or a Trent Dilfer, or a Kerry Collins, or a Chris Chandler mm-hmm. could all make the Super Bowl. Right. Listen to those names. Even a Matt Hasselbeck or a Rex Grossman could right. slip in there. But then it tilted so heavily towards the Super Show Ponies and the best of the best, and of course Brady has soaked up half of the slots <laughs> since pretty much 2007. But yeah, it used to be a league in which you didn't have to have a great quarterback. You could make a ham sandwich out of someone like Ken Anderson. <laughs> right. Well, Ken Anderson was a good quarterback. He was Okay, Vince Ferragamo. Vince Ferragamo is a good example. David that, Woodley. That, oh, well, that was that was really extreme because that was actually Wood Strock. That was uh, Don Strock and David Woodley and Don Shula kind of cobbled the two of them together to make a, you know, a game yeah. out of both of them. And uh, the next year they drafted Dan Marino and the rest is history. Right. David Woodley was the quarterback of record against Joe Theismann in the greatest Sunday of my life as a kid. Uh, Super Bowl XVII in 1982. 83, I was there. Thank you. Do you remember the date? Yes. uh, Well, it was January 31st, I believe. Ah. And uh, they pushed it as much as they could because that was the year that they had the strike. Right. And it knocked out uh, two months of the season. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rigo uh, with uh, 40 chip, 40 chip, Uh, 30 chip. I I thought it was 70 chip. 70 chip. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, But no, yeah. So Woodley was that guy. I mean, that's a team that relied on two quarterbacks and made no bones about it. Tony Eason played in the Super Bowl for the Patriots. Granted, they got killed by the Jim McMahon led Bears, but McMahon himself was a pedestrian quarterback. Not pedestrian, but yes, but you just all. pretty good. No. Well, mm. he, he might have had a better career if he wasn't so reckless. He was hurt all the time. But I would I would put him above pedestrian, I would all say. Right, I'm look I would up say his stats. What do you no. think his what you don't want to go by stats? Well, because the, the way that team won was with the defense and handing the ball off to Walter Payton. Well, yeah, and, he was a low attempts guy. Yeah. Here, here okay, boy, this tells you hush. So the eighty five Bears McMahon, first of all, in 85, he played 13 games, which was his second highest total of his career. Yeah. He, he only played 14 games one season. That was 83. And then 12 a handful of other times, including in Philly, 
and in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But he started 11 in 85, and he won them all. Went 11 yeah. and 0 with the Bears. He's a 57% passer with yeah, 2,400 yards, 15 touchdowns, over 11 interceptions. Andy, I'm sorry, my older brother. That is pedestrian. <laughs> well, but but the, the rules are a little different then. You know, I 57, know. 57% passing wasn't as bad as 57% passing now. Fair enough. But, you know, Man. Jeff Hostetler won a Super Bowl in 1990. Would Good you, point. That, would you call him pedestrian? A uh, little bit above, but but not. Uh, yeah, that team was was a defensive team. That that team had yeah. Lawrence Taylor and and one of the great defenses. Uh, actually, the the team that beat the Broncos a few years earlier when LT was more in his prime. That was a better defense, but that defense was still real good. Stan Humphreys, would you call him pedestrian? Played um, and lost opposite Steve Young in '94 yeah. in Miami. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, yeah, he was. He was about average, I guess. Neil yeah. O'Donnell played and uh, lost opposite Troy Aikman the following year. Well, and, look, and and we saw when Neil O'Donnell was with a bad team like the Jets, he couldn't elevate them above real stinko. I mean, they were awful when he <laughs> right. quarterbacked them. So yeah, yeah, the, it, it it has happened. How about is the last really pedestrian quarterback, and we'll see how his career plays out. Jared Goff to, yeah. to play in a Super Bowl, you know? probably. Although. Garoppolo is getting worse as the timeline gets longer. Yeah, but but his record as a starter is still pretty good. Garoppolo? Yeah. By the way, how do you like Kyle these days? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Is uh I'm reading more and more that he may be on the hot seat, you know. Amazing uh, how quick that goes. Yeah. From wonder yeah. kid in the Super Bowl, can't get it done. Now they're struggling yeah. and well, we got to make a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now Sean McVay's the Wonder Boy again. <laughs> once he gets himself, just what we're talking about here, yeah. a quarterback, Matt Stafford. So, yes. so I asked the question after watching last night's abysmal effort between those two quarterbacks. I watched and said, um, why do these guys look like they want a Tuesday tryout to be on the field? Because <laughs> that's how bad they looked. And I, st- I asked rhetorically on Twitter, has the league had any internal discussions, do you think, ever at any point? about is there a route to navigate back to a less quarterback-centric league? Mm-mm. And I'd imagine the answer that? is no for a couple reasons. One, they sort of like the TV show about quarterbacks that they've developed. That's what the NFL is. It's a TV show, episodic, 17 uh, episodes throughout the course of the fall with a couple bonus episodes in the winter and a big right. finale in February. They like it. It's worked out pretty well for them, right? So why change? Mm-hmm. And I think secondly, they wouldn't know how to get there if they if they wanted to. You know, yeah, I mean, what, what would you do? Would you would you would you penalize the great quarterbacks of the league? I mean, from a financial standpoint, a league that's always trying to screw the players, it it, it kind of makes sense. You right. know, uh, uh, I had a, a guy on from a Kansas City radio station before they played the Chiefs, and I said, you know, is because they were struggling is it is the Mahomes contract uh, not going over so well anymore because no no that's going to be the new standard you watch all the quarterbacks are going to get those kind of deals yeah so you know that that's something to look at you know I think if you were to liberalize offensive line holding mm-hmm. rules and really let them hold a it would protect quarterbacks b it would give the lesser guys more time to find somebody open and c right. it would allow for the return of the superstar running back that was tickling 2,000 yards every year. The Larry Johnsons right. and the Ladanian Tomlinsons and the Adrian Petersons. You know, the Priest Holmeses, the guys who could win your fantasy league. Yes, but that's kind of like getting the toothpaste back in the tube. If you introduce that style of football again, after what we've seen from the Breezes and the Bradys and those quarterbacks over the last 15 years or so, would the public say this is good? We like this again. You know, the- I don't know why they wouldn't like it. It would have more teams feeling like they've got a shot. I mean, how many teams feel like they got a shot this year? As we are not yet even at the halfway point. Five, well, six well, teams. I think, I think you'd eliminate any team that doesn't have one of those quarterbacks. Right. Right. Yeah. There's not a team in the league right now that's got a half-decent quarterback that would say, yeah, we got a chance to win it all. The Bills, the Ravens, 
the Titans. Well, Titans, there's one. Because Bills, Ravens. Know. Okay, Tannehill's not spectacular, but yeah. in the AFC, the true contenders are the Bills, the Raiders, and the Titans, and maybe or you know, the Ravens, excuse me, not the Raiders. The Bills, the Ravens, and the Titans, and maybe the Chiefs, if they can get their shit together. Uh, and how about the Chargers and how that flipped quickly? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and, when you got when you when all of a sudden you've got Justin Herbert, you know, who yeah. was the what was he, the tenth pick of the draft, something like that. And boom, he's he's now a guy who's you know could be the best quarterback in the league in a year or so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I just know this at the the end of last night's game, which I'm sure you went to bed before you saw it, so you didn't oh, miss, yeah. miss anything. But it saw was, the rain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, I, all I know, I don't know much about football. I'm a guy on the couch, like you are, Andy. Mm-hmm. But I know patterns of what I see in football because that's all I watch like you do and many other red-blooded American males every Sunday and Monday and Mm -hmm. Thursday and I watch it three screens at a time so I recognize patterns all the time I rarely see what happened on Sunday night you gave the ball back to Seattle down three with a minute and 52 seconds left normally a competent quarterback easily marches his team against a somewhat soft prevent defense into field goal range to at least right. tie the game. A minute and 52 seconds is an eternity, right? Oh, sure. You know what uh, old Geno Smith did? He got he sacked twice. slammed it in reverse <laughs> to the point where his desperation fourth and 28 heave was from the end zone and nearly yeah. got picked off. I said watching it go, Holy shit, I've never seen a team with that much time, only down three, go in straight reverse like that to shit the bed and end the game. Haven't seen well, it in forever. And that shows you, because because there used to be an old adage, oh, your backup quarterback is so important. you got to have a guy who can step in. Well, the reality is you can't afford to have that guy. You, you have your guy, the franchise guy in Russell Wilson. You pray that he doesn't get hurt. Right. And if he does, then you're forced to play one of these guys. It, it's, it just doesn't, just doesn't work that way. I mean, uh, w- when the Packers were great, they had Bart Starr, who was in the Hall of Fame, and Zeke Bertkowski would come in, and they wouldn't miss a beat because they were a running team. They had a great defense, and they continued to win. Yep. Not anymore. Doesn't work that way. Well, under Favre, they had Doug Peterson. For a yeah, long time, and he yeah. never played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Farb never got hurt. Farb well, that's never the thing. The yeah, that's yeah. the thing. See, some teams now say, "Well, we're not going to invest a lot in our backup because if our starter, who's a Hall of Famer, goes down, we're screwed, yeah. and we don't practice screwed." <laughs> that's yeah. the saying. I think yeah. it's short-sighted. I think that uh, every team that has a contending team should have a veteran they know can play, not a veteran who's still a project like Geno Smith. I mean, a veteran who you know is not going to suck. Now, Jameis Winston is a veteran who theoretically shouldn't suck, but man, he looks pretty sucky. Yeah, but good enough for a team that's, you know, good all around. And and, and they're even missing some players. They're they're missing receivers and I think a couple of linemen. The other thing about Hostetler, back to him, uh, not only was he pretty good, but he had been with them for five years. He knew the system. You know, and in those days, it was you couldn't escape through free agency like you can now. So he was there and he knew the system. So when he got his opportunity, he was ready to play. Meanwhile, there's Brady. And I was sort of of the mindset of a guy in a high rise watching some dude, some criminal run from cops on foot. And I was like, (laughs) oh, boy, wait till they get a hold of him. It's going to be ugly. And then at some point, the cops get tired and they can't keep pursuing, and the criminal keeps going, and you're like, okay, they're not going to catch him now. I feel that way with Brady. I now feel like it's no longer a question of if he'll play to 50. It's a question of why wouldn't he play to 50? Right. Unless am I, there's am just, I crazy? Unless there's just some catastrophic injury that happens. But, yeah, he's, he's got it figured out. How would he and, get the know, injury? He rarely uh, takes shots. I understand, but you know, crazy thing could happen. You know, I, know. I mean, I, it, but but <laughs> I watch him during the games and even on the sidelines. And normally, I would say, forty-four-year-old man wearing a baseball hat backwards, schmucky, oh but looks good God. on him. Oh <laughs> it works. God. Andy, it are works. you are you really a backward hat guy? No, no, I'm just I'm just saying <laughs> that, that that for most forty-four-year-old guys, 
you would say, okay, you know, you look a little ridiculous there. You know, like like when Sparky Anderson was managing the big red machine, I think he was under 44. I think he was like in his early, maybe even late 30s, early 40s, but he looked 60. Brady's Brady's 44. He looks 24. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. All right, let's talk. So back to my original point. I, I don't find this Washington football team very interesting because no. I feel like they're a turtle on a fence post. They're right where I expected them to be, and they're not going to go anywhere. Right, and and the only intrigue was going to be how good was Chase Young going to be this year, and it turns out he's, at the moment, okay. He may turn it on and, and, and become great, but he's not LT. He's not a guy who's going to dominate a game defensively. He's and, not J.J. Watt. He's not no. Aaron Donald. Yet, no. I like his professionalism. I like his overall makeup. He looks phenomenal without a shirt on, but not right. making a difference. No, no. And and overall, the, the team, the secondary looks terrible. They they address that. Uh, they have turned their, their, what is he making, like $13 million, their $13 million safety into a linebacker. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and he's not happy it, about it, by the way. Well, yeah, yeah, because he wants to be Sean Taylor, but you're not. Uh, right. You know, so Landon Collins. So they 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 have been a big disappointment, and uh, the defense, which was supposed to be great, is not very good. And the offense is being led, as I said, by a nice kid, a kid who was sleeping on his sister's couch ten months ago, <laughs> and uh, is trying hard, but he's yeah. not one of them. Yeah. He's not one of those guys. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you and I were still doing this on a day to day basis. If I could gin up the righteous indignation that so often permeated our shows about <laughs> the tomfoolery going on with the club, but it just seems like, well, until they get somebody, they're not going to have anybody, so they're not going anywhere. And the yeah. hell of it is, they passed on Herbert for mm -hmm. Chase Young two years ago, and they passed on Mac Jones when they could have moved up to get him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there are reasons in both cases. Uh, the one on uh, on passing on Herbert was that they, you know. Yeah, and they thought they had Haskins. And and Ben Standing of The Athletic, I saw a tweet from him that he's talked to some league people, insiders, and they say that uh, players don't want to come here because of dealing with Snyder. That they know it's oh. it's going to lead them, yeah, it's going to oh, lead them down a path they don't totally, want to go on. Totally toxic right now. Speaking mm. of which, when asked about the WFT investigation today at the NFL owners meetings, Jim Trotter reports that the Jets' Woody Johnson reportedly told the media, "quote We're here for football." Yep, circle the wagons. Uh, so. You know, some ex-employees have gone to New York and they've presented a petition and, you know, they want to know, they want information. There's there's four women who are running NFL teams. You know that, right? And, okay, uh, fact, who I, are they? I've written them down. Uh, Sheila Ford Hamp of the Detroit Lions. Okay. Kim Pagula, who's listed as a co-owner of the Buffalo Bills okay. with her husband. Uh, Amy Adams Strunk. Is Bud Adams' daughter, uh, yep. who founded the uh, Houston Oilers, and Denise DeBartolo York, who uh, runs the 49ers. And they're so, truly the ones running the teams. They're listed as, you know, CEOs or owners or however you want to put it, but they're, they're in there now. You know, they know that it's good for business for them, probably, if nothing gets out about what went on in the Washington football team investigation. But they also have to, you know, realize maybe a moral responsibility i don't know i don't it's, know yeah. i guess uh, i guess they realize okay there's only so much we there's only so, so far we can push it and if we start cracking open everyone's emails oh my god it'll never yeah. end what about mccaskey in chicago yeah virginia mccaskey i i don't know if she runs the day-to-day -day, but maybe i mean she's she's like 90 years old i think so yeah, yeah probably mm. not so anyway there was a thread somebody put together about Dan Snyder's off-the-field missteps and travesties yeah. and dirtbaggery. And you said that's a pretty thorough list. I thought it was actually a little bit incomplete. Now, maybe I'd have to go back and do more homework on it, but I thought it left off with about 10 more years of bullshit behind it. Yeah, well, uh, some of the things that were in that thread – didn't have anything to do with the football team. In fact, some of it had to right. do with, with who with he was how, as a yeah. telecom guy who was slamming people right. and changing their phone service, all that stuff. Right. I mean, a lot of what I've, I've done over the years and I've written these lists, it's uh, you know, it's a lot of things that you we've have? done. Oh yeah. I've, I've put out a, a, a lengthy <laughs> one 
the uh, when they got rid of McLuhan, I was inspired oh, yeah. to do that, and uh, <laughs> that was I was with WJFK at the time, so I put it out, and they put it up on their website. And, you know, it, it, it included. I actually <laughs> it worked out. I was going to do it as a segment with Tom Lavero on a Saturday, but I started reading the list and he, you know, was throwing in his two cents. And I think we wound up doing about an hour and a half just on the list. My (laughs) God. That's why, you know, when I'm up up in green Bay and, you know, with the wolf playing there and uh, Mm -hmm. people asking, are you really done with this team? And are you not a fan anymore? And I'm like, you have no idea what this owner is like. And they generally don't. So that thread is a good one. I would like your list as well. To, to, to show to people because when they ask me, I'm like, you have no idea. Here it is. And you and I adjudicated this front and center on the radio every day for three hours a day for 16 years. It was yeah. absurd. Yeah. And, and the Dan supporters would always say the same thing. Dan just wants to win. You yes. said that. I, I did at the beginning. Yes, I did. But, <laughs> but, but the way he, he wanted to win was the way that someone who had no knowledge of how to run a football team wanted to win. And, you know, it's almost like, see, we grew up watching people who thought they knew how to run teams and would screw it up. Dan, I guess, wasn't paying attention. You know, he just, he just came in and said, yeah, I've never put on a job before, but certainly I can run an NFL team. Uh, No, you can't. It's really bad. When do you think he's going to get back in the saddle again? That's another good thing question because Peter King had something in his column this week uh, saying that you know Dan seems to be on double secret probation and the uh, questions about the emails and whether or not he's the one that leaked them they want to make sure that that's not the case before they let him back in so you know if if he is the one that leaked them that could continue his double secret probation is it possible that he is left to out there to, to dangle for multiple years? Nah, I don't no, think so okay. because because he's he's litigious. You know, they they don't want him, you know, right. coming back at them as as we saw how he handled his uh his minority partners. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well I would imagine that he'll make a return as the team gets a name finally this winter. But I have mm. no idea if he's going to actually do any media avail, any interview or anything. Oh no, no, because sure? there, oh, there are tough questions that he. How's he going to answer them? I don't know. He's not skilled at this. No, I mean, you know, whatever you want to say about Jerry, Jerry knows how to do an interview. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, Danny would get nervous and blurt out something dumb like uh, "Happy Thanksgiving." Two yeah, months too yeah. late. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that's that may be saving him now is uh, I've referenced this a few times this week, the 2014 interview that Chick Hernandez did with him where he said he doesn't use email. That, <laughs> that may that save is him. It. That may end up saving him. That is no. very interesting. All right, a couple of other coaching things to talk about. Apparently, Mike Tomlin, currently head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, longest tenured coach in the league, shy of Bill Belichick, I want to say, mm-hmm. uh, who's getting paid a ton of money. He's in a, in a Tiffany franchise. Maybe interested in the USC job? What? Well, this this came from, and I haven't heard people talking about this uh, with the Tomlin comment today, where he, you know, here <laughs> just, it is, guys. Yeah. I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? Um, that'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay? Anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. <laughs> Anyone else? All right. Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? You know, anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? Ooh. Okay. Oh, he's, some, he's, some, he's really pissed. Yeah, well, some might say, okay, that's a black-white thing. Andy Reid is 63. Sean Payton, I think, is close to 60. Mike Tomlin's 49 years old. Also, he's in a transition period here. He's got a bad team and a quarterback who's out of gas. Right. He's got to develop a new quarterback. Uh, so it, it's not it's not the craziest thing. And what he says about there being a booster, doesn't have a big enough check, 
BS. There's there's somebody out there that has a big enough check and other things that he might want in La La Land. So so, you know, let's let's not close the door on that. Um, Why? Why? As soon as I heard that challenge, I said, fetch me my wallet and my signing pen. Exactly. Let me me drive you over to Universal Studios and introduce you to an executive who might be able to write that check. Now, in fact, I might be able to buy two of you, both you and Sean Payton. This this speculation started yesterday because Dan Patrick had on Carson Palmer. Palmer, I guess, is like warming up for a broadcasting career because he goes on with Patrick every Monday. And so he's on the search committee for USC to find a new coach. Palmer, you know, won a Heisman trophy there. And so Dan asked him about, you know, who's, who's the leading contenders. And he's the one that said Mike Tomlin and Dan goes, Oh, (laughs) Mike Tomlin. And, and Palmer goes, Oh, is that not out there? And Dan goes, "Uh, no, no. He says, he said, uh oh. So clearly, within the search committee of which Carson Palmer is a part of, Mike Tomlin's name has come up. This wasn't pulled out of thin air. Yeah. By the way, uh, Tomlin should pull his panties out of his crack because a deft escape to a super high profile college job and a return later to the NFL to start anew is not only not unprecedented, it's been very successful for guys like, say, Nick Saban. Well, he did it the reverse, but it's been successful for guys like Pete Carroll. Well, so yeah, it except, does happen. Except, it, and, and I, it's a very good point. I made that myself today. But Pete Carroll didn't have the success in the NFL in his first go-round he did like not. Tomlin has had. Now, he, he wasn't coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is the, one of the best, and he's right about that. He does yeah. have one of the best jobs in sports. They've had three coaches since 1969 they're not going to fire here over a six-win season but uh that's i think that's an absolutely great point you you go to usc you restore the glory and then you'll go to wherever you want to go there'll be teams begging you to come back and you know then you can develop your quarterback or you can take your quarterback with you from usc whatever you want to do but right now he's in a transition phase and his his option as he looks down the bench is uh, our friend Dwayne Haskins, who oh, was boy. last seen partying it up without a mask during the height of COVID with strippers. Yeah, <laughs> so with there strippers. was that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh God. And then one more on the coaching front. This is classic. James Franklin, who also is being asked about his future at Penn State. Terrible loss, by the way. By the way, how do you feel about the new overtime rule? Oh my. God, I, that was, I was <laughs> nauseating. It, it, first, they, they put it in so that they would shorten the game. Yeah, so, you know, get yeah. this over with. Yeah, and it, 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 was, it was excruciating. And I again, I say, here's how you do overtime. You flip a coin. Thank you. The team that wins the coin flip can elect to receive or kick off. Thank you. The team that scores first wins the game. The first overtime game, 1958 championship game, Colts, Giants, was not a good game, considered the greatest game of all time because it was settled in overtime with, by the way, a touchdown, not a field goal. So that's Andy, the way you thank do you. It. Thank you so much. You and I are an exact lockstep on this. These are just games. Nobody dies. No one's yeah. going to jail if you lose. We're here to be entertained. We had 60 minutes of fun, fun football. We're tied. Guess what? It's time to end it. And play more football. Don't play, as I say, when they in college and even in high school now, when you go to overtime, you start playing three sets of tennis. <laughs> this is not how football is played. They don't put it on the 25-yard line. Now, they have fundamentally changed baseball for in this pandemic period by putting a runner on second base. I think that's going to go away in the next collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. But for over 100 years, baseball settled games by continuing to play, hello, baseball. I know. You know, they just continued the game. And it seemed to work out okay. So Franklin was asked about his current situation, possible future, and he said not once but twice that his focus was on Illinois. The next opponent is Ohio State. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. When a coach says, my focus, and it's on the wrong team, that tells you something right there. And how does he miss Ohio effing state? 
Right. And, and wouldn't you like to look at his computer just to see if he's been on Zillow looking at houses in Los Angeles? Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Andy, as always, a pleasure. Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for uh, waiting until Tuesday. And we'll figure out a new day for you where we can talk woofed skins in as much detail as they warrant, which I don't think is a lot right now, but I'll I'll do my best. All right. I'll be ready. All right, man. See you. See you, Zed. Let me end on an email. This one from Robert Wagner. No, not the movie star and excellent golfer and daytime heartthrob Robert Wagner. Is that the Robert Wagner I'm thinking about? Uh, let's see. Robert Wagner. Let me quick Google right here just to make sure. Uh, oh, well, there was Robert Wagner. Who was the younger uh, Wagner uh, that was good at golf? Wagner celebrity golfer. He was on 90210. Jack Wagner. Jack. No, not Jack. Uh, Robert Wagner was on many TV shows back in the day. Married Jill St. John. I don't think this is the Robert Wagner. If it is, that's that's awesome. Especially because uh, he's dead, I think. Or he's 91. Hold on a second. Having trouble with my computer here. What the hell is going on here? Uh, no, he's 91. He's alive. 91 years old, uh, out of Detroit, Michigan, Robert Wagner. Anyway, this is not that guy. Dear Steez, he writes, that means you're really an insider. You get the joke. If you get it, you get it. Dear Steez, long-time listener, couple-time emailer, and a friend of Solly's. I'm wondering if you've done a deep dive into what the WFT farewell really means. And if I had missed it, are you really... No longer a fan of the team? Uh, Yeah. But, I mean, you don't have to fill any paperwork. You just have to stop caring. And the stopping of caring happens sometimes in little ways in which you don't even realize it. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I haven't cared about this team in a while now. I guess I'm not a fan. Whenever they lose and you don't feel anything, you don't give a shit, then you're not a fan. But he asked, are you really no longer a fan of the team? No, I'm not. But like I said, there's no paperwork. Are you just moving away from talking about them on your podcast since you don't do a daily local show anymore? I haven't talked much about them because they're not very interesting. There's not much that can be done. They don't have a quarterback. They're not likely to get one that's going to be any good this coming draft. And they will be in this perpetual second-tier cycle for a long time until they get a quarterback. So I don't know what there is interesting to talk about. There's a lot of fans in the area that seemingly are very angry, and I listened to uh, the other daily shows on JFK and B. Mitch and Finley and Grant and Danny and whatnot, and I'm like, why are you guys so mad? that This team is performing like I thought they would. Maybe because I wasn't a fan going into the season. I had already lost my fandom, so I therefore looked at them with much more rational eyes. Anyway, he goes on to say, was this a marketing idea to get us somehow still loyal fans to buy the package to Lambeau Field and the meet and greet? No, because that was 30 tickets. It sold out in two days anyway, and that was never a concern. P.S. I would have totally done it if I didn't have a newborn, by the way. Eh, that's on you. I've known guys who have gone on golf trips with one-week-olds. Hopefully, I can do one of these things down the road. There may not be another one, but that's fine. Maybe there's more you haven't said on the subject and you can't say at the moment, just wondering what the real story is, if you can share. Okay, it's very simple. The team died. I mourned. I processed. It's been over a year. It's going to enter a new phase when they give it a new name, This coming winter, I will have no feelings for that new team with a new name. It's that simple. What am I supposed to do? It's asking a lot of fans to make this jump. That's the real story. They died. The name, the logo went away because, you know, the name and logo killed George Floyd, so it had to go away and All of my boyhood memories, all of my gear and accessories 
and photos, and I'm looking up at the Rigo run with Don McNeil being dragged behind him. Washington 27, Miami 17, and it all died. You're asking me to do something that is a big ask. It's a lot, it's a big ask for a lot of fans. He goes on to say, Robert, I would say the lack of a daily DC local show with you has left a void for me and probably many others. I understand that, and I'm sorry that that's the case. I do enjoy the podcast, but the sports reporters and your show with Scott and Sally and your show with Cooley and things are, and Cooley were things that I really miss right now. The Redskins talk, though mostly negative for over 20 years, is what I came for, and I left even more satisfied with stat of the day, where you at, what you hauling, and whatever else your brain concocted to stimulate your shows over the years. Thank you. I'll still keep listening to the podcast and your Saturday show where I can, but I really do miss that daily show. I get it. But that died, too. And it ain't coming back either. Sorry to say. I think back in the early spring or late winter when I heard you say that you were never happier than doing the sports reporters with Andy, I echoed that. And I thought I was, and and though thankful I get to hear you most Mondays with Andy, I do miss hearing it daily. I understand. Again. I know I don't have a vote, but I would love to hear Andy and you talk about the Washington football team after the games rather than do college football. It gives me a little taste of nostalgia that is sometimes really needed as life goes on and things change. Whatever the reasons for the woofed farewell, and there are many absolutely legit reasons to move on as a fan, as a professional like yourself, it's been a pleasure to hear you and the boys talk about them for such a long time. I'll continue to be a fan no matter what. Thanks for all the great work and memories. All the best, Robbie Wagner. Bing, bang, boom. Thank you, Robbie. I appreciate it. I totally get where you're coming from. And you're right. I am reevaluating constantly whether Andy belongs on Sunday morning with me talking about college football, which he is sufficiently knowledgeable, but not necessarily an expert, and whether or not he belongs in a different spot, like, say, Monday taping for Tuesday morning. Either way, you got him today. So there's that. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and we will see you next time. What is a lock in sports betting? A lock is simply put a bet you can't lose. You know that. And with my bookie, you cannot lose on their NBA lock of the season. Put a bet on either team to score between the Mavericks and the Nuggets. And when the first bucket hits, boom, you win. Let me put it like this. An NBA game has never gone scoreless, so you're going to win. This is a lock. It doesn't get any easier than that. My bookie wants you to get a taste of winning because it tastes so good. With superstars like Jokic, Doncic going head-to-head Friday night of this week, it will not take more than a minute of game time before your bet, cha-ching, cashes in. And that's not all. You get paid Friday, wake up Saturday, and then you throw down on UFC 267. Saturday night, my bookie is giving all users a $100 risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship main event fight. So don't wait. Head to mybookie.com now and use my promo code ZABE. That's promo code ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and my bookie will instantly double your first deposit. That's promo code ZABE. You can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie.